Hello out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various time zones around the United States. I, as always, am your host, Matt Folks, in San Diego, California, joined this evening by two of my handsome co-hosts, uh, one we haven't had the pleasure of talking to in a while as he's been on beautiful vacations around the world. Uh, up in Del Mar, Mr. Chris Warner. How are you, buddy? Good to see Boys, you. Boys, it's good to be back. Hawaii. I was on the islands. It was magical. Mai Tais, pina coladas, but missed you, boys. All I'll say, though, is it was a pleasure listening to you guys on the way back. It filled a good 90 minutes of that six-hour plane ride home. So thank you. It was awesome, but it's nice to be back, and I can't wait to talk some Leicester. Well, we missed you, certainly, but I'm glad that uh, we were able to provide you with a little uh, relief during that plane ride. And I got to say, first of all, just looking at you, I'm very, very proud of either you or uh, the lovely Chrissy for taking care of you. Because normally when you return from a holiday, you are glowing red. That that Lester, a fellow on holiday, glowing red sunburn. And you look very good. I, you know I, what, dude? It was, San Diego it, base. It was amazing what hat what a hat and sun cream can do all i'll say <laughs> revelation revelation well you look great man we're glad to have you back uh to talk less the city uh also joined this evening by the man that uh, just gets more handsome every time i see him mr jason becker of the new york foxes how are you my guy i don't know i think it's time to uh, get that monitor checked but uh <laughs> chris i have to say dare i say you even look tan yeah, that's what I mean. Going, but what is this whole good ninety minutes? Uh, feel good ninety minutes. Are you are you trying to say that Matt and I rambled and talked a little <laughs> too much? Boys, specifically was... about Yannick Vestergaard's uh, private parts. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was slightly disconcerting on the plane, but I think the I think the biggest thing that I loved about last week, and I encourage everyone if you haven't caught it, go back and listen because. The way that you were kind of talking about, Matt, your visit and trip to Leicester and stuff, it was just, as somebody that's lived there, been there, done it, seen those things, it was just amazing to hear it come from Matt and you guys talking about it all. And I just want to echo everything that you guys said. It was absolutely brilliant. So it was one that I think it's top 10 podcasts we've ever done. And And to say those things after, this is a man who, just said he got back from just came back from Hawaii and he's yeah. saying these things about about yeah, the beautiful no uh, East Midlands. So that, well, I think that carries a little extra weight today. For well, sure. my mum was happy as well. I know she didn't get to see Matt, but she was very grateful for at least the weekend when he arrived that there was he brought enough of the San Diego weather so she could mow a back garden before <laughs> the winter. So she was very chuffed with that. Midweek, Matt, it was a completely different story. But thank you from the heart of my mum for at least those that first weekend you brought the weather. And she Bless her heart. Bless her heart that brought the sun to Seiston. No, I heard that a lot from uh, pretty much damn near everyone that were just thanking me for bringing the San Diego sunshine. Because, I mean, the weather was freaking perfect the entire trip. It was crazy. My favorite thing about it, every, every time, every time I go to England is people coming up to him and apologizing about the weather. I'm like, listen, that's not the reason why I come here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you if, know, I was, if I was searching for weather, Matt, I'd be flying out to see you or Chris, I'd be tagging along on that Hawaiian vacation. 
exactly that's what i kept saying too it's like i we i hadn't seen rain for three months like here in san diego so when it drizzled a little bit one morning that was the extent of the rain that we saw i was just like standing out there like the the final scene in shawshank redemption when he crawls through the <laughs> shit pipe it was like condensation from the sky it's incredible um but yeah chris thank you for the kind words on the pod bro we did uh i did want to give a shout out to uh neil angelinetta who hit us up on twitter uh, if you did listen last week, I talked about uh, the fine fellow from Manchester that just happened to be next to us in the KP that was a listener. And so uh, he hit us up on Twitter, said, great, listen, good to meet you, too. I was the guy from Manchester. So shout out to you, Neil. Thank you for listening and repping the Foxes as always in Manchester. But yeah, crazy, crazy trip and uh, been been just still recovering from that uh, that amazing time. Uh, unfortunately, though, however, our uh, Foxes had a bit of a rough one on uh, a Friday that I think we all were looking forward to, especially here on the West Coast, because it was a 1 p.m. kickoff because of the time change in England. And that meant that we would have a uh, just a little bit more. T- I mean, 1 p.m. kickoff is unheard of here in San Diego, Chris. And uh, yeah, we had we had a little uh, impromptu get get together at uh, the Blue Foot. Normally don't do that during the work day, but uh, with it being such a massive game. And the fact that it was a 1 p.m. kickoff, we did have a get together and we had a good six. I think we had six or seven of us out there that were able to call in sick or, uh, you know, take uh, some vacation time. So shout out to San Diego Foxes for uh, showing up big. I saw that you guys had some incredible numbers in New York, though, Jason. That looked like a hell of a Friday. Yeah, we had a good crew. We actually accidentally left a few folks out of that photo, too, which it stunk. I should have photoshopped their faces in. But uh, yeah, it was it was a fun crowd. It was a really good good crew. Um, Leeds also they showed up with with some really big numbers too. So it was a fun day at the factory. We were playing. I think we were really looking forward to that game. Leeds fans were looking forward to that game. The Atleti fans were there, and PSG were there also. So um, some of the you know football factory stalwarts were there, and some of the more vocal folks and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the result result aside, it was it was a it was a good day, and it was a great way to kind of kick off the weekend. It's kind of how we felt too. It's a nice, beautiful day, and able to to hang out with the guys. And unfortunately, didn't get the result we were looking for. And uh, depending on what you prescribe to on um, your way of thinking or wh- who you follow on Twitter, there were just some absolutely ridiculous responses to this loss sky is falling uh jesus christ i'm sure that you if you follow lester twitter at all you were able to or lester x whatever um at all you were able to see what was going on and and just some of the doom and despair very very few reasonable takes i i thought uh overall but there were a few here and there but I guess we'll just dive right into it with you, Chris, and, and your thoughts of a, a Friday that, uh, yeah, I think it's being a bit blown out of proportion. I, I, I personally am relating it to uh, Arsenal from 2016. I was just waiting for a locker room photo of the Leeds fucking, <laughs> fucking players. Uh, that was literally the only thing missing from, from that one. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. Um, it, it has been kind of wild to read the forum and, and be on social media and, like, to your point see apparently that the sky is falling down and this is a start of a ginormous collapse. No, I'm with you. I think, yeah, we didn't, we had a bad day at the office. We're going to get a bad day at the office. You can't expect 
And I mean, it would be ignorant to us to think that we were going to win every single game between now and the end of the year. I mean, look, Leeds are a good side. They were relegated with us from the Premier League. They have the foundations and the expectations to be up there fighting with us. And they are. And so, look, it'll be one of those games. I will go to Ellen Road, put up a fight and probably take three points. And it'll be even itself out. So, no, I'm with you, Matt. I didn't think we played very well. I thought mentally, I think we were off slightly. And that's going to be the difference. Like when there were just instances, I think the goal is was a great example of it, where we were just a couple of seconds too slow. And that has the consequences going behind, not taking the chances, being sloppy on the ball. So I think ultimately, yeah, just a bad day at the office, mate. I think honestly, what, what really sticks out in my mind is just how... You know, it's not as if we we went and just laid a complete egg. I mean, we're multiple strikes away from, you know, Fatawu strike that was just fucking beautiful. That guy, he's so damn electric. I just feel like every week we need a we need a period just on the pod for him. Uh, and then, of course, you know, KDH was just a beautiful and, and that fucking goalie from Leeds. I don't know how he always manages to put one up against us but uh yeah i i don't know that's the biggest game for them all year that's the biggest win that leads will have all season in my opinion and uh yeah it's just water off my back jason yeah i mean look i'm not one for the hyperbole and the you know doom and gloom especially considering our position on the table i will say though to play maybe devil's advocate a bit is that that game had a lot of the hallmarks of um, a Brendan Rodgers loss. Where and, and so and so maybe I can understand some some of the reactions because you know those memories are so fresh in a lot of people's minds, and there were probably some some flashbacks to what went on. Now, the difference, the, one of the main differences, is that our players were fighting. You know, to, to the very end, and, and we're trying. But a few guys were off. The subs probably didn't happen in time to get those players off the pitch. And we weren't getting our striker in goal-scoring position, whether it was Vardy, whether it was Ianacho. Vardy was off big time. Cassidy was off big time. Yeah. Ianacho came on and didn't even play as a number nine. And so we, we don't, we're not creating any chances for our, for our strikers. And then I think one of the um, main characteristics of Brendan Rodgers football is just to pray and, and rely on individual brilliance, which we had to do with, you know, Fatawa and Mavadidi and, and, and their runs. But, you know, was it a good performance on our end? No. I, I think – did Leeds play the best football that we've seen from any of our opponents? No, but I think they are the best side that we've played. Yeah. And um, But I wasn't really too bothered. I kind of felt like, you know – like Enzo, like and what you said, we're not going to lose every. We're not going to win every game. I'd rather lose, you know, blow a game, and still have a cushion and still be in, you know, top of the table. And I don't, I don't, I don't think the players would be too worried. No, not at all. And I don't think they should be too worried. Yeah, uh, Jason, I think you were bang on with that assessment of bringing back Rogers vibe. That cut the goal. And just everybody standing still oh, yeah. off a the goal was the ultimate. Oh God, what's happening? Like? Yeah. And the fact it was Vestergaard as well that it was just standing there. 
didn't yeah. help the cause at all. You, so, you. I felt the worst, though, obviously for Mads, because what a hell of an initial save from him. Uh, and so just disappointing to not have that cleared out. But, I mean, with you look at the numbers, the XGs, the uh, shout-out to – uh, Rick Flair from the Big Strong Lester Boys podcast, who who pointed out the XAs, which I had no idea was a real thing, but the expected assist number, which uh, apparently was really high for us as well. So I think um, you know there are there are many things that we could look at on this, and and yeah, guys, just a great reminder that this is the fucking championship. And also, by the way, the last time that we lost the match, we went on a nine game winning streak. So I I don't know. I guess if you're just one of those people that you know, was hating on Enzo Ball in the beginning, and now you just were waiting for him to slip up, so you had a chance to tweet out a bunch of bullshit, then I guess you're happy, but you're a weirdo if that's, if that's your story, um, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, the, we played, what, three games in a week during a very emotional week, the anniversary of the, you know, the tragedy in Leicester and that that may have taken a lot out. I'm not, not making excuses, but I can imagine that that kind of wore out the players and, and the side, you know, the guys are looking forward to the next international break. Absolutely. Um, Chris, uh, what else can we dive into on this one? I think one of the other players that really stood out for me in a, in a losing performance was just again, the brilliance of Ricardo Pereira. Uh, for me, just hands down man of the match. It, the guy's just taken his game to a different level and was really one of the only bright spots uh, out there for me. Yeah, I, I think he's consistently been one of our better players um, this season. Uh, I think that there's, yeah, I, I think I think prayer was good. I think the problem we had to kind of talk bigger about Friday and to echo a little bit about what Jason was saying was um, you can't, in Enzo's system, when we're looking to get players forward and attack as a unit, you can't have 50% of the attacking four not on it. And, mm. I mean, Vardy was, if, if Ricardo Pereira was one of your best players and one of the best players in him, I think Vardy had a shocker on Friday night. Yeah. I just didn't. And it was a combination of maybe we didn't give him the, that service to his feet that he was looking for, but I just thought he was off. And when you've got him and Cassidy, another guy who's continually now seems to be up and down in his performances, you're not going to be effective when you're playing that high possession, tempo base, get everybody attacking. And so I think there's, as I think, the extremes of the performance were kind of two of the th- was one of the things that I kind of looked at and how you can't really have that and we've got to be a bit more balanced when we attack and when we've got that opportunity. But to go back to your question, Matt, yeah, I mean the 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 evolution of, of Ricardo Pereira has been one of those great. I mean, Rogers talked a little bit about Rogers obviously identified him last season before the injury of talking about his potential on the ball and need to have him on the ball. And I think Enzo identified that and is just, yeah, I mean, it's just great to, great to see. Jason, you in agreement on that assessment? Yeah. I mean, Ricardo, uh, he missed a couple of tackles, but overall I thought he was excellent. And I agree. I do think he was our best player uh, on the pitch, saved our asses a bunch of times. I mean, there was some, 
there were a few kind of shocking defensive moments. Um, could have, you know, maybe a couple of penalty shouts as well, but Ricardo was kind of always there and, you know, bailing us out. Um, there was a play where, um, uh, was it Somerville kind of spun through two players and, you know, if not for, you know, Ricardo being around and, and, and there were a few other options, a uh, few other times where in the 18 yard box, uh, in, the, in the penalty box, he, he was able to, to make plays that, that kept us in the game. Um, I, but what Matt, well, excuse me, what Chris was saying about, you know, the two players that, that were off, which I completely agree with. I would have liked to, to see a move earlier in the game and maybe some braver decisions tactically to get Ricardo higher up the pitch and into that midfield because the midfield was not working. And um, Farka set his side up really well. I think tactically they were better, and that really surprised me. I mean, I know that he's a good manager, especially at this level, but going into that game, I was thinking Enzo Maresca, at least they're not the same side away from home. And add to that Enzo having a full week to prepare his side for for Leeds, um, I know who I'm putting my money on. And we just weren't ready for Leeds. And the way their waves of pressing, I mean, the first five minutes were on the ropes immediately. It's like they didn't expect to see it coming. And then you add into that uh, a midfielder who's uncomfortable on the ball, um, a back line that's kind of like a little bit of a mess. And, and then, you know, when you have a midfield that's not keeping the ball, then you need a player like, thank goodness we had Ricardo out there that couldn't save us. Um, but I would have liked to have seen a sub a little earlier and to maybe take Cassidy off and move Ricardo up, get Hamza out there to play a little bit more of a physical game and maybe chop down some of their players. And, and, and maybe that could have linked our build up a little bit better and, and given us some, some more fluidity on the ball and gotten those midfield players and the striker into the box instead of just kind of being late to the play all game. Hamza's uh, play, he said his name. There's a player in our group chat that uh, definitely was dividing opinions on uh, on his future at the club and his play at the club. So I think, yeah, I mean, some of some of those conversations were going on a few hours after the game, where you know some of us had been out watching. I will say that I will, you know. <laughs> In my defense. <laughs> well, I just think it's a good opportunity to to kind of talk about the young man. You know, he just signed another deal with us and um, had an incredible tackle. Uh, obviously, like one of the best tackles that I've seen a Leicester player make in a very long time. But it also was off of a giveaway that that he himself made. Um, so I guess, Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, man. When you, when you look at Hamza and, and where he is and, and how he's so far fitting into Enzo's system, how uh, confident are you with him going forward, especially given, you know, the midfield uh, up and downs that we've had so far due to injury? Well, yeah, and especially potentially with, you think about January and the sorts of players that we might be losing, you're going to see potentially that he's going to have more and more of a role. I think ultimately Enzo trusts him to do a job. And I think that's the most important thing. And as long as Enzo, as long as he has a specific role, in the side, then I think it's okay. You're not going to get 
I don't think it, we can expect we're going to get Hamza Chowdhury to be consistently the game changer. But what we're going to get, as I think, Jason, you always point out, is someone that, yes, he's going to make the odd mistake, but he's going to do his damnedest to, when he puts on that shirt, to be effective in what he does and contribute as much as he can. And I think one of, and that's what you need in the championship. And look, his ceiling, I think, is the championship. I mean, I'm, I, I don't expect if we get promoted to see, we. I think he'll probably play less and less um, if we get to the Premier League. But ultimately, yeah, he has a role here. And I mean, to your point, Matt, as you like to say, like sometimes you need to have an aggressive player out on the pitch that's willing to stick his foot in, is willing to kick some players, is willing to be that aggressor. And I think he's the sort of guy that can fulfil that. And I think as well, he brings a, ment a mental change, I think, to the side. I think we do get a little bit more, hey, like, let's be aggressive. Let's stick a foot in when he's on the pitch. So I think all in all, mate, yeah, I think strong contributor to the squad. I think ultimately Enzo trusts him. And if Enzo does, then I do. And I'll put this out there for you guys. So, so Hams is now playing in a in a role that's a bit different than what he's used to and um, has to learn a different job. But would it, would anyone have predicted that Wilfred and Didi would have become as successful as he's been this season? I mean, and he looked pretty rough uh, early on in the season, but then turned into probably you know with one of our best players or one of our more most consistent players. And Hamza hasn't had that opportunity to play each game and to play, you know, a consistent run of games. So I think, you know, he suffers from some of the same stuff that Iannaccio suffers from, um, where he doesn't get that consistent game time to kind of take his game to the next level with us in, in, in this role. No, that's a great shout. And I mean, even beyond that, you can talk about players like Vestergaard that have just given yeah. game time. Given yeah, look how Vestergaard was in the beginning of the season. Yeah, excellent point. Um, I, I, I love that shout. And uh, yeah, I, I think that anytime we have an academy guy that is looking great, I am all for it. And to that point, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about why we didn't see uh, more of Casey McAteer. Uh, I think that... We're talking about a kid that has done nothing but show brilliance this year. If we're being if we're being honest, and I, he's such a versatile player that I understand that the right wing has been a, a position of, you know, wealth <laughs> suddenly this year. But I think he's a guy that, for whatever reason, now is, is having trouble, Jason, and getting in the side. And I think, man, he's he's done nothing wrong this year. Yeah, I'm not sure what's what's the deal is with him. If he was like, if they, if Enzo feels like he's 100 percent fit yet. So for me, I kept thinking that there should have been two changes, well, three changes right off the bat. Um, well, maybe not right off the bat, but it, it became pretty clear as the game was going on, certainly in the first half and certainly as we went into the second half, that if you, we need to change something. One was it just wasn't Cassidy's day. Look, I'm not going to get on the kid. He's young. He's not going to play it 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, you know, each, each game. He's going to have his ups and downs. He's still learning, and he's still getting better, and he's still maturing. Uh, but he's got a good head on his shoulders, and you know there's a player there. But it just it wasn't his day. He was just off, off in terms of he was losing runners. He was having trouble keeping the ball. He was having trouble finding passes. And he was kind of just kind of watching the game around him and not um, 
being proactive and and it was just a little late to everything and that's one of the reasons why we also couldn't get the play up the pitch fast enough and couldn't get those men in the box so the the move there i think was either you put hams in at right back into the ricardo position and move ricardo up into cassidy's position and cassidy does go south onto the right side a lot so you know ricardo would be comfortable there but i think the other option there is casey mcintyre and maybe it's a straight straight swap for McAteer for for Cassidy because McAteer has shown that he can play in the middle if needed. And I think if Eunice were available for selection, I think um, um, I almost said Rogers uh, Enzo would have um, wouldn't have hesitated. And maybe would have put him in. Um, but I was surprised because the game was kind of screaming out for um, for a player like like back it here maybe to to make an impact yeah just some sort of offensive spark uh, just a uh, creativity you know something different because it was just trudging along and I, I was really hoping for that and i think that the midfield is only going to get uh more and more uh, you know f- spicy yeah i guess is a, is a good word for it especially with players like dennis pratt coming back because as we saw the job that he did in the first game of the season when he came on, came on, um, I think Dennis Pratt could really, really thrive in this system. And I think he's a few weeks away from being back as well. And, uh, you know, Cassidy's spot could, you know, depending on Ndidi, of, of course, but it, it, it might not be guaranteed going in there. Yeah, I think McAteer, I mean, he, kept, well, he had that hamstring injury in Blackburn and he's slowly coming back. I mean, he played yeah. against, a little bit against QPR. So maybe there's some there, but... I just wonder with McAteer, and I know a few people have already said this before, but um, is his best position ultimately for Leicester going to be a right winger? Or do we think that he could play a little bit more central at some point? Yeah. I'm I'm really interested with his skill set. I mean, he's good on the ball and he's pretty quick. And I'm just, I wonder whether or not there's opportunities if we want to get him in the side. Yeah. The, do we think about playing him a little bit more centrally? I mean, I think uh, we seem to be, we've gone from rags to riches down that right-hand side, it seems, this season. <laughs> it's actually making us think of, can we get some of those players into the team in other ways? So I will be interested yeah. to see whether or not we can, whether or not as the season progresses, do we think about doing that with him? Because I agree. I think he's a talent. I think his goal against Liverpool, for example, his performances pre-Blackburn were fantastic. And he's definitely someone that we should be investing more resources into to try and figure out, not just for this season, but progressively as we think about the next three, five years, is he the sort of guy and where can we get him in the side? Yeah, and that goal against Liverpool, you know, he was coming through the middle there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And... Um, we just weren't making that run at all, and I, I think that what he brings to the to the side, and, and maybe you know, you have his goal scoring and his goal um, contribution ability, but for me, I think the best thing that he brings to the side is his movement off the ball. He's constantly causing trouble, and he's always he seems to be in the right place at the right time, more often than not, and. Right. You need that quickness. You need that dynamism in a side because the possession football with overlaps and and players, inverted wingers, if you don't do it at a fast speed, um, 
the game gets a little turgid. It, it gets a little, it can get a little boring. But when you have a player that can that knows when to make that intelligent run, he can stretch the the the, the other team's defense. We just were not doing that against Leeds. Not stretching them at all. Not making the defenders feel like, oh, someone might run off my shoulder here. I might have to come back a few yards and. And we just didn't have that at all. And so the, the midfield got just swallowed up the whole game. Yeah, I think another player uh, coming back from injury that uh, will be exciting is Will Alves. We saw this week that uh, he is getting close to being back in the side. And Enzo uh, had nothing but praise when he was talking about him and how much work he's been putting in off the the pitch. So I just... You know, I think the amount of weapons that we, we have in the in the arsenal is just going to keep growing because that kid has been very special. And God, I mean, could could we have another hometown boy to cheer for this year? That would just be icing on the cake. Um, Jason, what what do you, what do you know about Will and uh, what what everybody can hope to see out of the young man? Well, he's back in training, so he's back back with with the side, and it does look like. We'll get to see him sooner rather than later. Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched him, he is um, there's a lot of hype about him, and and for good reason. He is very tricky, plays with a lot of flair, and um, and is a really just a fun player to watch. Uh, but he's young. Is he 17 right now? So uh, 18. You know, I, I just, 18. I now, 18 so he's turned 18 now. now. So I I would just say you know for everyone to you know be patient with him. You will see flashes of brilliance. He hasn't been able to play football in a long time because of a you know awful injury on a on a because of a disgusting tackle on him, uh, which was a real, real shame. And um, I'm excited to see him, but you know I think he deserves patience. But I but I, I think that Leicester fans who who may be watching him for the first time soon uh, will still very quickly get a sense of, of the skill that he has. Yeah. He's not afraid to do a step over, is he, that lad? Play mm-hmm. that way. I mean, yeah. some of his goal, some of his goals, I think, for the under-18s or the developmental squad were insane. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, kid, yeah, he's, I, you can see why, I think he's got the traits of why Enzo, I think he's raw, but I think you can see why Enzo's excited. I mean, yeah. he's good on the ball, which I think is Enzo's number one, kind of are you good on the ball yes no yes you're in the squad no sorry if anyone's like a i don't know a millennial listening if you remember the uh the old n1 mixtapes of all the street <laughs> basketball highlights and moves this kid is like the the football version of that he's he's got a few tricks in the bag and he does look like he's been getting beefing up a little bit get, getting stronger too so yes yeah. which would be good more than more than a few tricks in the bag. Don't forget, in 2018, while he was a year nine pupil at Brookvale Groby Learning Campus, he won Match of the Day's Can You Kick It competition to find the <laughs> best young technical freestyler. So, I mean, when you got that on your fucking resume, look out, bro. I am, I am here for it. And yeah, we it, we've we said about it, you know, multiple times this year. Sometimes we're just lacking that creativity to drive the ball forward, and you know, a player like him. His technical ability will only be exciting. I do. I, I am glad to hear that he's bulking up because um, 
let's be real. This, this league is so fucking brutal. And especially a young guy with, you know, tiny legs like that, you know, you worry about his durability and a nasty tackle, but uh, hopefully he's, he's bulking up and, and getting ready for it. Well, if you've seen the training photos, he this kid does not have tiny legs anymore. Tell you that. Excellent. Love so, it. I Absolutely will be, uh, it. yeah, it's uh, going to be leg day tomorrow for me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we spoke a little bit earlier about Vardy's struggles. I think uh, we, we we should dive into that. Um, Chris, I'll go to you. Do you think um, it's a, a factor of because when he's been on this year, he looks really good. Uh, but it does seem like the younger the side uh, that we play, maybe the more uh, less effective um, he has been uh, when, when we've been you know, facing these very, very tough pressing and kids that are just running all over the field. I just, you know, and fuck me, nobody, nobody that's a true Lester fan would ever want to say it, but it does seem like when we face some of these younger, quicker pressing lineups, he does seem to be having some issues this year. Yeah. I think also there's a, there's a sense of like, I think Jason pointed out, I think tactically we would, we were the second best side on Friday night. And I think, some of that had to do with the fact that the way that you said Leeds approached the game and the way that um, in particular they closed that space that we often like to exploit with Vardy dropping a little bit deeper, getting on the ball and then to, and then as progressing the attack forward. And I think when we saw last year, look, if you choke off the supply to Jamie Vardy or you isolate Jamie Vardy, then you're going to run into trouble. There is a game plan there for how you can make him very ineffective. And I think Lee's did a pretty good job of that. I mean, the other thing as well is that I was surprised and I continue, and it just echoes what an amazing player he is. I'm surprised even at his age now that we can play him week to week. It feels like it, 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 I was surprised that he started. I thought that you would have seen Inacho start. I think most of us, the consensus was that we thought we'd see Nacho play. And so, I mean, that's going to have something to do with it as well. I mean, maybe the well, fact he misses is also in Vegas, but also have something to do with it. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we saw plenty of her in Vegas. All right. <laughs> um, I will uh, I will say that, you know, a part of... I, I thought know, that was a boot over Miami. What? <laughs> it was something. Uh, I will say, though, that we... And this might be me just looking for an excuse for him because uh, I love him so goddamn much. But prior to Erling Holland, you look at the Manchester City side that Enzo, you know, came from. And there wasn't a true striker that really, I mean, made noise for Pep. Uh, and there was a lot of midfield contribution goals and shit like that before Holland. So maybe it's just a, you know, the system is just not there for him. I don't know, Jason, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I think that um, with the midfield having the trouble they had against Leeds, it just didn't didn't help. And I think I do think that tactically we're we're maybe um, a step or two behind what Leeds is set up uh, on on Friday, which I think is the first time I probably would say that about Enzo this year. Um, we just didn't have those other players moving off the ball to kind of give Vardy the space that he needs. And um, it was so then when you have a striker who can't get service in the box, he's trying to get involved in the game somehow. 
So he'll drop back and he and he kept making this weird like back pass back to the outside defender and got us into trouble a couple of times, but it was just like wasn't sure what to do and he couldn't turn with it because there was no one more advanced because all the players were getting sucked deep. It was just a tough game. And I just don't think that we were set up very well to take advantage of, of, of his strengths. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, well, I'll, I'll make excuses for him till the end of time. And I, I'm with you. I think that, you know, when you have Cassidy just having a shit game and, and the ball just seemingly dying in the midfield, that's always going to be tough. And I, and yeah, I don't know how have we ever seen him pass that many times to a center back in his entire career. So him and Vestergaard were just dumping it back and forth for a while. And, and when he's that deep, I mean, we all we all know the game he plays, and that's that ain't it, man. No, and um, it's not like Ianacho did much better. Ianacho was playing yeah, as where I was going six, next. pretty much the whole, the right. whole time. Like in a like in a Pirlo role, it almost felt like just like picking <laughs> the ball up off the. So I'm not. He wasn't anywhere near the box for most of the time when he when he was out there. So it was just a weird setup with the striker. Um, but it will be interesting to see if that changes a bit because we have Vardy, we have Ianacho, Daka's. Well, Daka's there. He might be persona non grata, but he's still around. Hey, they well, we talked about players coming back from injury, and and one player who is very close to coming back in, from injury is uh, the last guy on that list, I guess, is Tom Cannon, who's a striker that we bought, which was a surprise, I think, to a lot of us, feeling like we had depth in that position. But there's clearly a reason why we went after him. Uh, every signing that the club has made this summer had a real purpose, and um there's must be something to the way Tom Cannon plays that Enzo Maresco like really wanted and was very excited about because we even brought him in knowing about the injury that he had. Hey, broke his Yeah. And still wanted this deal to go through. So um, from what I've seen of him, he has a lot of poacher qualities and can hit the ball with, with, with both feet. Um, I don't know much about how his game is dropping back deep. Um, but he does seem like a classic number nine, which is interesting. Yeah. I can't remember. I'd love to give credit to whoever made this shout today, but uh, I guess some, someone compared him to uh Nuge, And I think that that, that could only be good things when you're being, you know, compared to oh, David Nugent. That's, that's a, that, that this- would be, yeah, especially in this league. And we remember when Nuge was, you know, running that for us in 2014. I mean, I, what was he that year? He scored like fucking 15 penalties or something ridiculous, like just a masterclass from number 35 that year. So I uh, I look forward to it. Anytime I hear uh, comparisons to, to David Nugent, I get excited. Does he run like Nuge is what I want to know. Does he have that very like upright back? Because I still have <laughs> never seen another human being run like David Nugent. He kind of reminds me of uh, like the uh, – the president race that the Washington Nationals have, <laughs> yeah, 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 or like the bratwurst yes. race that the Brewers do, like kind of like a chicken, like yeah. very upright and on the top, just doesn't move, but the legs just move yeah. really fast. That's a good. Show. It was just so much. He was always so much fun to just watch run all over the pitch. So or maybe, yeah. maybe you know, maybe that's why um, Tom Cannon did fracture his back to kind of mold it out more into that David Nugent kind of style of running. <laughs> Yeah, and the, 
the style of running never changed, whether he was chasing defenders or chasing squirrels. That's at, right. At, <laughs> against QPR. <laughs> so uh, shout out to uh, Tom Cannon, man. We're looking forward to seeing what you can do uh, in the proper shade of blue and not that uh, – Everton shit because yeah a lot of Everton fans were not happy uh that felt like he did not get the run in the side that he mm-hmm. should have because of you know their struggles last year so who knows if, if if we got another gym man holy crap after the recruiting year we've had so far this year with the the, the master class signings of Cody and Winks I mean it that would be and, and Mavi I think that would just be another icing on the cake and yeah, Patsandaka, that's another one. I don't, I don't even know what to say there because, you know, we, we dispelled the rumor about – well, I don't know if we dispelled it. Maybe they decided to pay pay for him uh, the money that if he reached that 75th appearance. But he came on while I was at home. I was at the match against Sunderland, and we saw him come on. And I had to rub my eyes to make sure I was really <laughs> seeing it was fucking Patsandaka coming out there. Nah. but. Well, I'll say one thing just to go back to Tom Cannon. I've, I've never been more confident in my entire life. An Enzo Moresco player is not a Sean Dyche kind of player. I'm just going to put it out there and just, I'm going to guess. <laughs> when, when, we're never going to be in competitive competing with Sean Dyche. Fair enough. <laughs> For those sort of the players. So if he says no to him, I'm very, very excited by what the kid can do on his with his feet. <laughs> Absolutely, like not a Brexit striker, maybe. <laughs> um, I will say another player I did have on the list. I want to talk a little bit about because he had. If you didn't catch it this week, uh, the club put out an interview uh, with Matt Elliott, Jerry Tagger, and Harry Winks that was can't miss. Uh, if you guys haven't got a chance to listen to that thing, put it on the list of shit to listen to this week. Cause my God, what an amazing interview with just an incredible man. The more you hear Harry Winks talks, the more that my man crush just develops for him. And, and my wife already loves him enough for both of us. So uh, big Winks household over here about the only, the only thing he said wrong in the whole interview was that he's looking to move to a home in Nottingham out of London. So, other than that, we uh, it was it was an incredible interview, and um, I guess Chris, I wanted to get your opinions on Harry because uh, Jason and I waxed poetically about him last week. So I guess your opinions thus far on uh, number eight. I, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't put a foot wrong, can he? I know I wasn't here for the QPR game, but that was the that was just the icing on the boat, wasn't it? It was that one little thing that you were thinking about as to kind of demonstrate his all roundedness was. Can he, in a situation, produce a moment of magic to, or a bit of individual excellence to get us out of a hole? And, I mean, the goal at QPR was just the epitome of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, hell of a, hell of a signing. Um, just, just brings a level of calmness to the side, which, especially in the championship, is just something you desperately need when it's chaos and craziness all around you. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, this again, Matt, Seagrave, the biggest problem. I mean, this is always—it's just too close to Nottingham. That's the problem we've got. Like, <laughs> I mean, if, if, they, if, if Harry Winks want—I mean, I could give him a guided tour of Syston, Thermiston, Sileby, Mount Sorrel—great places. <laughs> Where, I mean, we can—if he needs me to come and give it, be a little estate agent for him, Harry, send a DM to the podcast. Gladly take you around the little villages of North Leicester. And we can find yourself a nice little house close to a little quaint pub 
whatever you need, mate. There's plenty of good places that area other than Nottingham. 100% agree, Matt. So there is a bit of a method or maybe maybe a bit of a reason why the um, training ground is so close to Nottingham. And if you think about it, uh, and, and uh, this might be a concept that is a little strange to, to American listeners, but um, here in American sports, when you grow up and you're a good player, you play for your travel teams and your schools, right? And maybe you'll get into university and play for your university team, or maybe you're good enough to get drafted right into the pros. Uh, and then the professional teams have their farm clubs, which are generally 18 and up, right? And, and so those are adults, really, or you know, young men playing in those for those farm teams and the minor leagues. It's very different in, in the UK. Uh, the clubs are out there scouting young players as young as five years old. I mean, I've been out there. I've seen some of the scouting sessions for young kids, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, where these are Premier League clubs out there looking looking at them. And the quality is incredible, but the competition is so high. If you think about it, having a big, new, world-class training facility so close to Nottingham, makes Leicester a very attractive option for players that are up there that the club may not have had access to. But when you're deciding, you're a young player, and you're deciding between a Forest and a Leicester City, a Derby and a Leicester City, and some of the other clubs around there in the Midlands, or maybe you live a little further north, um, you, you might be swayed to come to, to Leicester because of the quality of the, of the training ground. And you, you might feel like this is the best place for my child to grow up and become, you know, develop into, you know, a young man and, and possibly a professional footballer. So while it's leading to maybe to some of our players moving over to that other county, um, it might lead to better recruitment outcomes, especially for, for some of those young guns that are out there all over the island. No, it's a great shout. I I hadn't thought of that at all. And yeah, if as many that we could steal from uh, Coventry and, and Nottingham, that would just be absolutely incredible. So great um, shout. Yeah. Winks though is um, he, he is a, a certain, he brings this character and leadership and poise um, and each week does look like he proves why he was he's why we signed him and 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 yeah. there were plenty of doubters about Harry Winks, but he's shown that he's someone in it that's not afraid to take chances and he's gone on loan to Sampdoria and knew that was going to be a tough season, recovered from his injury and still you know gave it a go and tried to keep them up. Um, so he's not a player that's like he he tried to fight through and and get his spot back on the side under a few managers at Spurs it just wasn't working out for him but he he, he he's a very determined player uh, he's very mature i think for his age and then you know a connor cody that we were seeing um who hasn't been playing much but we, we can see what kind of impact he's had as a leader around the club um so they both of those players one for what he's doing in the leadership he's showing on the pitch and another for what he's doing off the pitch, I think uh, have a lot to do with the success. So it makes me really interesting, interested to, to think about um, 
who we might sign in January and then um, what, what Tom Cannon's going to look like and what he's going to bring to the table because every one of our signings so far has brought something different and something needed that was missing on the squad last year to the table. Yeah. And I, I mean, all you, you, all you really have to do to, 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 you know, seal in your brain, how, how important Harry Wink's side is to, or is to this side is just, I mean, Leeds, it looked to me like their entire game plan was around shutting down the effectiveness of Harry Winks. And I think that's why our midfield just fell into shambles as it did, because without him there to run the show, I mean, Cassidy was just lost and, and it was a mess. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, just, just brilliant signings, uh, all around. And, uh, I think, you know, we, we spoke about it. Are you worried about this loss? I think for me that the big key is going to be to see how we respond on Saturday. Uh, big one coming up 7 a.m. kickoff here on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast against Burrow. Uh, we will be at the Blue Foot uh, and Middlesbrough is a team this year that's up and down uh, coming off of a 3-3 draw against Plymouth, uh, Plymouth side that seems to be playing well. Uh, and before that, they'd be Exeter City in the EFL Cup. So Heading into this match against Burrow, I think this one is the way we respond to this will be everything. We saw the response after the loss at Hull, which was, you know, also a home loss. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to see. I know it's going to be a big away day for uh, our traveling boys, Ollie and, and the lot that are heading, o- heading over there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think for me, Chris, the, the biggest thing is going to see how Enzo gets the guys to respond again after a loss. Yeah. I don't see... I mean, it's an interesting one. I think you summed it up right, Matt. Middlesbrough are a team that, for for everything they did last year, we've obviously disappointed a little bit this season. I think kind of last year under Carrick, they were the one of the golden childs of the championship, along with Burnley, like playing this type of... and co- like this type of unique, good football. And I wonder how much that had to do with loan signings and the players. And I think they lost a couple of players as well. So they're struggling. But to your point, I mean, it's a hell of a, it's a long, long way away. Like you think when you think of the, when you think of the North of England, we always have this thought that it's Manchester and that sort of, but Newcastle, Middlesbrough are a trek and a half, even that far. I mean, going up to Teesside, it's going to be cold. What is that by car? What is it, three three hours by car? More? At least, yeah, at least, yeah. mate. It's closer. You're heading up to Scotland. You're in. You're almost in Scotland. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. I mean, I Middlesbrough away is one of those teams that I always get fearful of. I think back to the was it Frank Sinclair days when he scored that own goal. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't didn't even bother to look. <laughs> Just pass it in his own great shout. So yeah, I mean, the Riverside Stadium is going to be difficult, but. Um, yeah, I hope we can. I hope we can put a performance in. I think on judging on form, I mean, we should win. But you never know, like you said, in this championship. So, but uh, yeah, game that I'm very excited to be back at the Blue Foot to uh, to watch. Yeah, the the Borough have shown like they're, they're no joke in this division, and they were kind of you know in it and le- last year and and contended for promotion. Uh, they had a horrible start this year. Yeah. Couldn't buy a win, and then I think they tore off like seven wins in a row before this latest stubble. So um, you don't know which bro you're going to get, but um, if you get the Millsborough that are you know anything like they were on, on that run, it's going to be a very, very tough game. And you know Carrick is a is a good manager with a good head on his shoulders. 
And I, I think he will be someone who, who does manage uh, in the top division, you know, before too long, but, uh, you know, and not as a caretaker, but as, you know, a, a true manager. It For was sure. interesting. And I don't know how much his name was. I can't remember that, but was his name, was he one of the guys that we were in thinking like pushing tires for, do you think? Or you I never heard that, him. No, it's interesting. Cause you thought to your point, Jason, like he played, they play good football. They do. They're kind of a, he's young. He's a sort of guy. He's got great experience playing at United. Like he's got the connections as well. And so, yeah, it's just interesting. I think, I think I agree with you. I think he's going to be the sort of guy that is sniffing, but um, around around good jobs moving forward. No, that's it's funny you say that because I was just thinking, I don't know, a couple of days ago, I was having a, just daydreaming about that that the summer when we last summer when we were all like, who the fuck is it going to be? Oh, Jesse Marsh. Oh, I hear it's going to be Jesse Marsh. Oh, God. You fucking imagine right now if we if uh, I don't even I don't even want to think about it. But uh, uh, yeah, so we middle, did get the anti Jesse Marsh. We so. literally got the anti Jesse Marsh. Uh, <laughs> no, no ripped uh, jeans on Enzo yet. Uh, the Burroughs uh, six wins, six losses, three draws, twenty one points. They're sitting in twelfth place, right behind Bristol City. So definitely a team looking to improve and going to be a tough day out. So this will be a good test of just a very solid championship side and uh, to see how Enzo uh, can get the boys to respond. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, having you back at the Bluefoot, Chris, that'll be amazing. We've missed you there. Uh, Jason, I'm sure you guys will be at uh, – how, how, is there a nice Middlesbrough contingent in New York City? That's such a cool thing for you that you actually have fans of some of these teams because, you know, we didn't have any Leeds fans in, in San Diego. Well, I might have to take a little snippet of this and send it to uh, some of my pal, Ellen, uh, who's, who's moved back to the UK and was one of the main drivers behind not just uh, Borough, New York City, but um, Borough, North America. Uh, so there, there is uh, a Middlesbrough group in um, at the factory. I don't know if Matt's going to be there, but you know they'll probably have a few. Um, I some of the folks that are there might actually be at the game, so I, I don't know. I haven't heard from them, but there's a little spot, so you know, like sort of in the middle of the bars um, where the, some of the main games are. Then there's. Uh, yeah one side where we watch the the um the um fa cup final and then the other side of the bar is um called championship corner and at the very front of that near the bar has kind of always been the um de facto space for for borough nyc so uh, we'll be interested to see you know how many of their folks will be there i'm sure there will be, be a few Oh, that's awesome! Absolutely awesome. I think one it's thing to say as well is, and, and that part of the bar is pretty tight, right? So they're you know tight quarters. So you really get in there. You really get to know each other. Uh, so should be a fun one on Saturday morning. Hundred percent. I think one of the things as well to note, Matt, you mentioned they were in what eleventh or whenever it was. Twelve. Yeah. God bless the championship and its craziness. I mean, it's seven points that separate third from 11 like borough, <laughs> to your guys's point borough are three wins away from being playoffs third place yep. i mean it's we, we've been we've been fortunate that we've been so good that we've been above the madness that's been happening below us but yeah. your one win like look at like pearson god i mean i was about to talk about it chris because yeah. i did, we haven't addressed it on the pod it just 
fuck off Bristol City because man oh man I, I you know we've got a, a weird past with Nigel but there's definitely a contingent of Leicester fans and I'll be the chief amongst them that just absolutely fucking love Nigel Pearson and to see them you know just cast him aside like that when he's sitting like you you're to your point Chris a few wins away from third place was just so fucking disappointing um go ahead Jason yeah man it's it's the Bristol City and their owner um it's it's always been an issue over there the guy just wants a yes man in there and Pierce is never going to be that guy they just refuse to strengthen the squad um, the lineup that they put ran out there for his last game in charge was it was an absolute disgrace. It was it was basically like a, a U23. It was a reserve side, and and um, I, I don't know how you can expect the the man to have any success there. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the Bristol City fans that I know um, who do come down to the factory kind of only saw this going in one way. From the beginning and, and we're big fans of Pearson and how he really tried to change the culture and how he had a very difficult task that's that he was still working on to rebuild the squad I mean it was just going to take so long to do uh, but I think most Bristol City fans that I know I really admired Pearson and we're just really just so discouraged and and just thinking like here we go again we're about to start the same old process that we go on and we finally had someone who's actually going to build something here and make the club something to be proud of and um and it seems like the owner just could not wait to get rid of him yeah, yeah I, guess I, sh- I should clarify that i fuck off the owner not the not the fans because i did <laughs> see that nigel you know had tweeted out that he was just overwhelmed with the amount of messages and support that he had got from bristol city fans so Bristol City fans got it. They understood Big Nige. They understood what he was trying to do, and I think a lot of them respected it. Respected it. And and, and if it came down to siding with Big Nige or siding with their owner, they're going to take Big Nige every day. I, I mean, it just sums it up what they appointed the Oxford manager today. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, Oxford are having a, had a hell of a start to the season, second in League One, but. You're trying to tell me that not an experienced manager like Nigel Pearson is the is is the worst option to a risk and to to somebody that is gonna have to find his feet quickly in the championship. Like, yes, it's a simple jump on paper between League One and the Championship, but I think for those that are watching Wrexham and for those that are doing like you're going to see that it's just a ginormous gulf in quality and a ginormous gulf in expectations. And and, no, and it feels like, to me anyway, that it's just a step backwards for that club. And, yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I can't see why. I mean, they're so, yeah. I, I think, Jason, you summed it up perfectly. Like, Pearson's Pearson. He's not a yes man. He's his own amazing self. And, yeah, I think ultimately that was probably the, the, the driver for it. Yeah, good good luck to that guy trying to implement a new system, you know, November now and and trying to a whole new locker room. I I just what a dumbass move by that owner. Foolish, foolish. Um 
that being said, guys, I think uh, that will pretty much wrap up the men's side. Did want to take a second to talk about our ladies who had a tough one against Liverpool this weekend. And uh, I don't know for how many of you got to watch it, but uh, Missy Goodwin with a fucking hell of a roofer. What a goal. And then I honestly think we got absolutely screwed. You know, we've been saying all year how much we love not having VAR. But I will say if we had VAR in that women's match on Sunday, would have been a uh, tied match instead of the loss for the ladies because we had a ball that went over the line that was cleared, quote unquote, by the defender. Uh, that was just super disappointing for us. But the girls go down, lose a tough one to Liverpool. Always uh, t- tough seeing Natasha Flint on the field again uh, against us. But uh, shout out to the ladies who uh, who continue to have a hell of a season thus far and uh, playing playing some pretty tough competition uh, thus far and having great results. Yeah, agreed. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen the goal, like just just go search for it. The, Beautiful. We, the, the, we've scored some great goals. Yeah. This year, I'm like, they're they're like each each month when there seems to be a new like goal of the year contender coming out of that uh, the team. So, um, the but there's a remarkable difference in the quality of the side from last year, and we're talking about shrewd signings. Um, the women's side is a perfect example of that, and bringing back in the, um, you know, the, the goalkeeper that we needed, getting a number nine that we needed, and 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 then getting players back into fitness, like having Hannah Kane be healthy again. She's like a new signing, you know, and, and so that um, losing Plumtree, you know, seemed like a was going to be yeah. a huge loss, and then you know, been able to slot in d- defenders that 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 have filled in seamlessly and the girls look better than ever yeah they really do and uh i think you know it doesn't get any easier they got arsenal next uh i mean if you see matt their fixture list is nuts like we've played four out we're gonna we end up playing the top five on consecutive (laughs) weeks and the only one that's not the league is man city we're playing them in the cup I mean, right. it's a hell of a schedule at this moment in time. I think, I think we should not. I, I personally, I think we don't panic. Um, and I think, as you think toward the end of the year, and especially toward January, is when yeah. the more kind of, if anything, we can take now is a bonus. But and it will also kind of satisfy our podcast prediction from Mister Jason <laughs> Becker, who guaranteed, who said would scout one of these guys. So. I mean, judging from what you said, Matt, on Saturday, on Sunday, I think it was just a couple of mental lapses again that were kind of the difference. And it was and we we honestly played with them the whole time. And uh, a couple other things I did want to shout out was how good the peach kit looks with black shorts. Big fan of the peach kit already, but the ladies wear it with black shorts, and it looks really fucking fire. Uh, also, Prenton Park, what a great ground. <laughs> Shout out to Tramere. That's just, that's just a great, it just is a really good looking place. And hopefully one day they get it figured out and get back up to a upper echelon league where we can start seeing that park in, in, in use again. Sorry, guys, I had to step away for a bit. Had a, had a delivery arrive, but I oh. think I heard Chris say something about my prediction and the next run of fixtures, if it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's what we were saying. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, yes, it's the murderers' row, but at the same time, if it's going to happen, these are the weeks where it's going to happen. 
they look a solid side they they really do you guys i i'm not worried about it at all and like i said they were uh you know a a shitty decision of of not having a good linesman there from from getting a draw on the road you know against the liverpool side that was is very hot coming into the game they'd won three going into it so Shout out to the ladies. I think they're going to be just fine. Shout out to uh, manager Willie, who's doing a fucking hell of a job. And, you know, go ahead. Yeah, Willie Kirk. You know, we, we, Lester used to have a good tradition of, you know, Scottish managers on the men's side from way back when. And, and maybe this is the start of something new on the, on, on the women's side. You mentioned I uh, did one, 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 my ADD, you guys, you've been listening to the show long enough. You know how it works. I did want to shout out, you said Ash Plumtree. And when I was over there, I did a tour of Beaver Drive. And uh, it was cool to see. And when Ash left the club, she wrote personal thank you letters to every person from the lady that works the security gate at Beaver Drive to the chefs, to the groundsmen, to I mean, she wrote like 75 thank you cards individually to every member of the staff. Uh, So, yeah, shout out to Ash uh, Plumtree, just a hell Hell of a Lesta legend uh, who will always have a home in the Midlands uh, who's doing her thing over in Saudi right now, which is just a great player. So I'm glad you said her name and reminded me of that memory, Jason. Hell hell, hell of a player. Um, Cool, guys. Well, on that note, I I think we will about getting to the point of the pod where we start to wrap things up. Let me uh, send it over to you, Jason, uh, though. Yeah, just um, I guess a few kind of very, I guess, human moments uh, away from football that I just wanted to to, to mention. And um, if you're a Leicester fan and you're on, you know, any kind of social media or um, you listen to BBC Radio Leicester, um, whether you're even if you're a new fan and didn't see him play, you know who Matt Piper is, and um, he has an academy over in Leicester. Where he does a lot of great work with. Um, with you know, uh, kids and, and young men throughout the city uh, who may be in, in tough spots, may not have the opportunities that, that other folks have. And, and he's does a lot for the community and, and, and through his academy um, really enriches the lives of, of, of a lot of, you know, young folks in, in Leicester, I think, who have a lot to contribute and who learn that they have a lot to contribute after spending time at his academy. And, he put out an appeal on on, on social media about uh, their their van was missing, couldn't find it, wasn't getting any leads, and tried to get the word out for the community and was staying positive about it. And uh, and then unfortunately, uh, someone uh, and, and folks in the community alerted him that they found it, um, and, but it was burnt to a crisp, which was just a, just a horrible thing to see. And, um, so pipes, you know, if, if you, if you are listening, if, you know, if, if we can help with, with anything, uh, to, to, to help the uh, Academy get back on its feet, we will, you know, certainly play a role in, in doing that. Uh, the other reason why I wanted to mention it is just, I think it shows what kind of a character he is and in, in the way that he responded to this and, um, it's just kind of a disgusting act and, and just pointless. Um, but instead of, you know, looking for vengeance and, and wanting to, um, you know, call on the authorities to track this person down and, and, and punish them. 
pipes went on and made an appeal and said, Hey, look, and if you're the person who did this, come see me and not for a fight, but I want to show you, you need some purpose in your life. I want to, you know, show you that there's something else that you can be doing and spend, spend the time with the kids here in my Academy and it will show you something and you will get a lot out of this yourself. And I just think that, you know, pipes, I think it was as Lester fans, we're very lucky to have um, a guy like him around the club who's been through so much um, in his own personal life and has come out and been an example for for people both here in the States and, and back in Leicester. He's, he's, the lessons that he's shared, I think, with everyone can, can resonate with you no matter where you're from. And um, the way he reacted to that just, I think, shows that, you know, Folks, folks from Leicester can just be a, a, a little different, just on a different level, and, and Pipes is one of them. And um, it make you, Matt Piper makes me proud to be a Leicester fan and um, just wanted to, to give Pipes a shout-out and and just let him know just how impressed we all are with how he's been handling this situation. And hopefully um, they get what they need and, and maybe we can help um, the, the academy if, you know, if there's anything that we can do um, as well. And then also want to give a shout out to um, the Fosway who have been also pumping out some really cool Lester content from, from various fans perspectives um, and some, some really clever stuff as well that they've been, been posting. Uh, but there was an interesting article about uh, uh, my pal Clayton, who, who was out there that I've gotten to spend some time with at, at, at in New York at football factory when he visited and his story about going to Leicester and how he came across the club. Um, so it was great to see, uh, you know, a local fan led publication um, highlighting an American fan uh, that's gone over there. And, and, and then you can see in some of the comments on the sites, people were talking about other Americans who have come over. So if match trip wasn't enough, and this article isn't enough to make you want to book your flight and get over there. And I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, but the Fosway also did go on Twitter and, and ask if it, you know, Hey, have you, have any of you been out to, to New York to, uh, to catch a game with the New York Foxes? And um, some of the replies were just really just made us all feel, feel so great. Um in New York and, and really warmed our hearts and brought back a lot of really fun memories too. So um, just want to thank everyone who took the time to, uh, to tweet a little something about their experiences traveling in, in, in New York and catching a game with us. That was a really, really cool thing to read. And yeah, man, I've, I've told the story before on here, but uh, I, you know, aside from being at the KP, I think the, the next best thing for me uh, in 2016, watching that Everton coronation match was being at the football factory. It is such a special place, you guys, not just from Leicester fans, but as we were mentioning earlier in the pod, the fact where you can go and find a Middlesbrough fan, you can find the most obscure uh, Brazilian league fan. Like it is unbelievable. The, the, the groups that they get in there. And, you know, part of that is being in an amazing city like New York with the diversity and, and just the sheer number of people that you're going to have, you know, that kind of thing. But the fact that they all have this home 
at Legends. And if you haven't been there to see Jack and you haven't been there to see Jason and Jordan, get to Leicester first. If you haven't been to Leicester, yeah. make get that on the list first. But 1A has got to be a trip to the football factory uh, to hang with the New York Foxes because it is something special. And then uh, 1B should be coming to hang with us in San Diego. Because I was going to say, for me, at least, <laughs> I know what my 1A is. And that's getting out to the West Coast and seeing you boys at the Bluefoot. It's gonna it's gonna happen soon so yeah shout out to the Fossway. uh just a great publication if you don't read them guys they they are they do some phenomenal stuff over there so yeah. shout out to them i just want to echo jason's words and i think pipes is has a special place as leicester fans if we i mean historically he scored the final goal right. Philbert, yeah um had we had to let him go because of financial reasons and we were very honest with that and yeah his career was devastated through injury kind of following that but i mean one of the things that he did and i'll always remember him through covid and creating that bridge when the world seemed so isolated whenever you listen to leicester games on the radio or you listen to the post-match podcast during that period of time pipes voice was to jason's point always one of positivity he was always he was always so gracious that he was in those positions where he could talk about Leicester and he always was one that kind of you just felt connected to the club and he was a big part of that during COVID so I echo anything we can do to help and I think one thing that he's always looked out for us as a fan base and I hope that now as a fan base we can look out for him because I mean to your point Jason what he's doing for his full-time gig is an incredible thing. He's taking kids who are thinking about their futures and doing learning through playing football and building them, not only for their, but and just developing them into adults. And that's just an amazing thing that I'm, I wish that when I was younger, I had those potential opportunities to think about. And so, yeah, anything we can do to help, I think, and I'm sure I echo everybody on the podcast and everyone around the U.S. Foxes fan base that we would just love to help. Absolutely. Love you, Pipes. Uh, and anything we can do, like you said, we, we got your back uh, here stateside. Uh, on that note, boys, anything else that either of you have uh, to, to throw out there for the fine folks? I just well, I don't think I got a chance to say it uh, today, but uh, just uh, – I love uh, Fatawa. I think he's just uh, <laughs> listen. We're gonna have the, the. I don't know yet. We'll give it a. We'll give it a a, a flashy nickname. But yeah, there's gonna be a Fatawu uh, moment of the pod. We'll 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 figure out something. But yeah, man, he's he's a very very exciting player. Sorry, uh, I just need to make sure that's on the record. <laughs> no, that's that's great. And I can't think of a better way to end it on the U.S. Foxes podcast. Guys, thank you, uh, as always, for listening. Um, oh, I did want to give one more shout out to the Big Strong Lester Boys podcast. Uh, really appreciate their kind words uh, on last week's episode. Gave us a nice retweet. Uh, and if those guys aren't already part of your weekly podcast regimen, you got to get them on there. Uh, Jack I had a chance to hang out with Jack when I was over in Lester. Uh, just the sweetest guy possible. I don't got to tell you that, Jason. Um, but uh, Rick, Jordan, the, all the boys, they, they're just, they're absolutely hilarious and can't miss every week. So be sure to add the big, strong list of boys to your uh, podcast regimen because, yeah, just great guys over there. So thank you for the support to them. 
Thank you to the sport for you for listening every week. And if you wouldn't mind taking five seconds out of your day to slap that five-star rating, uh, if you feel like it, it does do so much to us to help grow the podcast and get the word out. And on that note, we will see you next week on the U.S. Foxes podcast, 7 a.m. on the West Coast against Burrow, 10 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, find your local spot, find your local friends, and uh, get together and cheer on our Foxes. We will see you next week on the U.S. Foxes podcast, guys. Thank you all for listening, and peace out.